0: Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll get the encouragement, insight, and information that you need to raise kids of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes a lot of courage and hard work to not only keep on top of technology and as it changes, but then also to decide how to incorporate that into your family's life. So our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise your tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Welcome back, everyone. We are going to be talking about addiction again. Last week, we talked about smartphone addiction, and today we're going to be talking about social media addiction. As we mentioned last week, the smartphone can really be the hub of so many different problematic issues, if we say addictions whether that be social media addiction, video game addiction, pornography addiction. You know, the smartphone is that main tool that gives us access to all of these different platforms. But today, specifically, we're going to look at social media. If we are engaged in our child's and ourselves, um, phone, we can be able to see how they're using it, whether we're using um, Android's digital well-being, we're using iOS screen time, Something that's tracking their actual usage from day to day and week to week so we can see how many hours are being spent on video games, how many hours are being spent through just text messages or audio books and, of course, social media, which for our kids, our adolescents and our teenagers who do have access to social media, chances are it is the number one way that they are using their phones. As we mentioned last week, 80% of social media accounts are accessed through the mobile device which is really no surprise. We don't often see kids using their laptops, their home computers in order to get on these platforms. It is primarily on their smartphone. Now we know that social media in it of itself is not necessarily bad. It may have some negative aspects, but there's a lot of positive ways to use social media as well. You can engage with businesses, you can meet new people. It's a very common place to, to gather a group or to learn about a certain topic. And these are all positive ways, but we have to recognize how adolescents and teens are using their phone to decide whether or not it's truly a problem. And the reason why it's concerning us and why we have to talk about it is because we're in a world where there's Wi-Fi and data plans, and so they can be connected 24-7. And not only that, you know, they have their personal device and very often, as you probably know as a parent, Their screen brightness is turned all the way down so no one else can see what they're doing. Or maybe they've got like a privacy screen to where it's black, you can only see the screen straight on. They alone want to know what, you know, want to kind of be in on what's going on on that screen. Even though they may be posting something on social media that's public to the world, there is this privacy aspect. You never want someone sort of overlooking your shoulder and seeing what you're doing on your phone. And so you have this time alone. It's connected 24-7. You know, kids hold their phone if they're in their pockets, in their hands. It's always on them. And you have these global connections. Social media is all over the world. It's not just, you know, your community, your state. It's not just in America. It's all over. And so these global connections can sometimes be positive, but they could also be dangerous. They could be negative. They could be definitely influencing your child into um, different beliefs or different habits or different behaviors, that could be a concerning part. We do believe here at Brave Parenting that social media at the right age can be a piece of the puzzle of our child's well-balanced life. So we have this piece that is social media. I also would include in that screen entertainment and video games. That's one piece of our child's puzzle. But there's three other pieces, and that is, one of that piece is physical activity and non-screen hobbies. It's really important that our kids are still getting out and engaging in sport or taking walks or doing something that's physically active. Also, doing hobbies that does not involve the screen. Video games can't be the only hobby or social media can't be the only hobby. This is kind of why I actually like TikTok a little bit because at least they're doing a little physical activity, a little dancing right while they're doing social media. Relationships is another piece of that puzzle. That's really important and oftentimes A lot of kids feel like they're accomplishing that through social media. When we say relationships, we mean deep relationships. And that means face-to-face or voice-to-voice. I know with the pandemic, we may not have been able to be face-to-face, but you can use technology, obviously, such as FaceTime and Zoom to accomplish that. But that relationship, that is really crucial and something that we sort of can just convince ourselves is occurring on social media platforms. But here in this aspect, it really is that deep relationship that occurs face-to-face. And it's not just their friends and peers. It's also in your home. It's stepping away from the phone long enough to engage with mom and dad or engage with siblings. You know, whether you are playing a game together, you're just sitting around and eating dinner together every night. That is huge. And then the fourth piece of the puzzle is their education. And if they're old enough, their work. That is a very big part of developing them into competent adults who are ready to face the world and not just sit on their phone. It's a big problem. And the workforce now is keeping kids, young people off their phones long enough to do their jobs. So that's our goal, right? Is this well balanced life, social media, screen entertainment, that can all be a piece of it. But when we talk about addiction or overusage, we definitely, as parents, have to look at our kids and apply boundaries so that that piece of that puzzle is not overtaking all of those others in their well-balanced life. All right, let's define addiction again. Merriam-Webster defines it as a compulsive need for and use of a habit-forming substance. Now, granted, the social media isn't necessarily a substance per se, but we can definitely you know, say that habit-forming social media platform you could put in there theoretically. And it's characterized by tolerance and by a well-defined physiological symptoms upon withdrawal. So that means if I was to take a social media fast, am I having actual physiological responses to not being able to access social media? If I all of a sudden, my power went out, I had no internet, I had no data, everything was gone, would I have a response to withdrawal from that? Well, chances are a lot of us might, even if we're engaged with social media for business, or we're using it to connect with family and friends, we might have that. But I think the defined word here that we focus on is that compulsive need. That's where we see a lot of our teenagers and adolescents is this deep, compulsive, almost unconscious need to get in there and to see what's going on because of FOMO, fear of missing out. They think that they're missing out on something that's going on in the world or in their feed, that they have to open that app and see what's going on. Now the American Society of Addiction Medicine defines addiction this way. It is a primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, and memory-related circuitry. And I defined this, you know, with smartphones last week, but this is so much social media, this brain reward, motivation, and memory circuitry. So when we get a new like or someone says, leaves a comment, say we for example, maybe it's us, maybe it's our children, we change our profile picture and it gets 100 likes and 50 comments of people are saying, gorgeous, you're so pretty, oh, I just love you, whatever this is. I'm always amazed at I can change my profile picture to something completely lame, nothing that exciting, just a normal old picture. And you have this response Right. It almost feels like I wasn't changing this picture to sort of get this response, but it's there and it feels so good, like all these compliments coming towards you. Well, of course, this is what our kids are doing, especially our girls posting selfies. They get this positive response. You're so pretty. You're gorgeous. You're absolutely perfect. And that reward inside of our head makes us motivated to seek that reward over and over again. And then the memory of that process. Continues and reinforces itself. I feel good when I post something and get likes and get comments. I like that. That feels good. I'm going to seek that out. Even if we do it again and we don't get the same response, our brains remember when we did. And so we try it again to get back to that point, right? And that's kind of the tolerance that Merriam Webster described in it. So when we look at social media and under this definition, it's definitely happening in our brains because these social media platforms aren't neutral. Their goal is to keep us constantly engaged. They're using these notifications, these rewards, these streaks, if you will, um, all of this sort of followers, friends, you name it, in order to keep us constantly engaged and that they know how the brain works. And that reward is going to motivate us to continually go back into the app leading us into a potential addiction. And dictionary.com defines addiction as the state of being enslaved to a habit or practice, to something that is psychologically or physically habit-forming to such an extent that its cessation causes severe trauma. So it's kind of like that physiological symptoms upon withdrawal that we're actually seeing trauma, like we feel traumatized if all of a sudden We were not able to use it anymore. But I really am intrigued by that word enslaved. We are literally enslaved to a habit or a practice. And I think that most of us as parents, if we watch our children who are using social media, not all of them, a lot of kids are not this way, but the majority, I would say, are, from what I hear from parents, are so enslaved to this app. Snapchat streaks alone, I think, are the most best example because they're, they feel they have to maintain the streak. Even if they're going in and they're sending a picture of the ceiling in order to keep the streak, they're still doing it because they're enslaved to the habit. They have to do it. Otherwise, they feel like their world is going to fall apart, right? Severe trauma if they lose that streak after keeping it going for two years or however long it's been. So again, we always have to look at it. Is it really addiction? Or are our kids really using it as a communication tool because that's just how everybody communicates? Or are they running a small little business? Or are they trying to be famous and trying to be an influencer? I mean, that those are some of the questions we have to be aware of as parents. So we have to kind of say, is this an addiction? Is this overusage, maybe because of the pandemic, or maybe because it's summertime, or maybe because I've just been really lax on boundaries? Or is this problematic usage where It's getting more and more every month, and there's lots of drama and bullying and all this stuff that's going on. I feel like my child's character is changing. Maybe it's not addiction yet, but it's definitely hitting that problem point. And that's where we want to be able to define that. I love this quote from the Center of Humane Use of Technology. They say, Unfortunately, what's best for capturing our attention isn't best for our well being. As I mentioned before, this technology. Is not neutral. Social media platforms have one goal, and that is maximum engagement. As long as they can keep you in the app, then they are achieving their goal because when you're there, they can collect data, they can put sponsored ads and advertisements in front of you that you're going to click on. They are analyzing everything about you. They know my friends, what I like, what I don't like, what I comment on, what videos I actually stop and watch how long I watch them, they know my music choices. I mean, they just know so much about me and they're constantly learning from that algorithm, how long I scroll, what did I stop on, what did I you know, spend the most time on? And they're changing the algorithm on a constant basis to keep me engaged. It takes a very mature mind to be able to be like, no, I'm not getting lost in this feed, even though it's intriguing, even though it feels good. I don't need this right now. I still have A, B, and C responsibility that I have to achieve or accomplish for the day. And I'm not going to let this feed sort of override my brain. And a lot of times that's what's happening. When we talk about that chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, and memory, it is absolutely this. It is, I think, can be classified as a disease, although it's not necessarily classified as that yet um especially in our young people because this is what they're growing up on and these likes these follows the desire and passion to go viral is almost overtaking their minds that they truly have this partial attention to regular life and then social media is this whole other world that they live in and there's multiple layers of rewards which you can really even consider these rewards sort of manipulation but let's call them rewards <laughs> Right, so you have news, of course. For some people, the news is their thing. It is their source of entertainment. But there's news on social media platforms. But there's also what's going on with your friends and how that birthday party was for their two-year-old. And then there's the likes and the comments. You go to Snapchat and you see the streaks and the trophies and the score, the notifications. Apps such as YouTube and Netflix have autoplay. The video games have the wins and the loot boxes. All of these different layers of rewards are all to trick our brain to say, I need to be in this app. I need to be on this platform. And that is really where our addiction, our compulsive use, our problematic use is really stemming from. So, what are some symptoms of social media addiction, or I mean, you can kind of classify it as an internet addiction disorder? But what we see is there's depression, dishonesty, guilt, anxiety, an inability to prioritize and to keep schedules, isolation, you lose the sense of time, you're often avoiding work and responsibilities, boredom with daily tasks. So those are some of the things that we may see. Does that necessarily mean that our child is addicted to social media? Maybe not. Maybe this is just a symptom, but that's definitely something for us as parents to say, "Hmm, hold on, maybe we need to draw some boundaries. We can also see some physical symptoms, right? Neck ache. A lot of times, you know, our kids are just necks bent. That is an actual diagnosable, you know, text neck, as they call it. Back aches, carpal tunnel, headaches, insomnia. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'll say it every single podcast if I have to. The best thing you can do for your kids is to take their phone up at night and do not allow them to sleep with it in their room. They need quality, uninterrupted sleep without a smartphone's distraction, especially social media distraction. So insomnia, um, poor nutrition, you can get so lost in a social media um, scroll or feed that you just forget to eat. Poor hygiene, right? You're scrolling, you forget to you know get up and maybe take a shower or even brush your teeth. Dry eyes, weight gain or even weight loss, depending on how it's being used. You know, the diagnostic criteria, what's funny is, again, there's no specific social media disor- diagnosis of addiction. There is um, sort of this internet addiction disorder. But what they have found is that in this internet addiction disorder, there's 86% of the time, there's another like dsm for diagnosis, you know, whether that be depression, whether it be anxiety, there's always something else there that may be driving them to social media. You know, when we look at social media, since it really, since the smartphone really took off 2010 to 2013, where all of a sudden teenagers were beginning to have the smartphone and using social media a lot, we've seen depression, anxiety, loneliness, right? We've seen it skyrocket. It's suicides, attempted suicides, that's all increased. And right now it's only a corollary relationship. You know, we don't know what came first were kids already experiencing anxiety, depression, loneliness, and it drove them to spend more time on social media? Or did they spend this time on social media and it made them depressed, anxious, lonely, suicidal? So right now, it's corollary that the social media is causing those sort of symptoms. But we have to recognize that it is a possibility for some people. Some of the diagnostic criteria, you know, would be obviously a preoccupation with the social media. Definitely, if you're pursuing a lot of like maybe TikTok fame or trying to be an Instagram influencer, definitely a preoccupation is there. You may feel that with your kids. Needs more and more time to gain satisfaction. That's sort of along with any addiction. Um, Unsuccessful attempts to stop. Maybe they say, oh, I'm going to stop Instagram or I'm going to stop TikTok for a while and then they can't. Um, restless, moody, irritable, depressed. Um, they're staying online. They're on this social media platform longer than they intend to. They're lying about their usage. They're coming up with excuses. This is similar to what any addiction may be. Again, you know your child. Is it usage, or is it really seriously problematic usage? The one thing that we also have to look at is some of those secondary problems with a social media overusage or problematic usage. And so, for example, one of them, like I talked about with TikTok, is fame. That is definitely a draw that kids today feel towards TikTok platform or any other platform, YouTube, that they can sort of gain this fame, maybe even fortune, but maybe they just want to have their 15 minutes or maybe longer and that can really change their character and behaviors dramatically so fame is one problem of a social media addiction voyeurism is definitely another that's sort of the watching or stalking of other people of course that can lead to a lot of insecurity jealousy coveting you know why doesn't my life look this way they can begin to think that this is someone else's truly authentic life when often you know social media it's so easy to paint the picture of the perfect life, even though that's not the reality at all. But again, because they're seeing such fabricated lives on social media, they actually begin to believe that is the authentic nature, even though it is not. And of course, information overload. Um, Doom scrolling is the new term where you're just scrolling, scrolling, even though it's negative, And even though you feel like, oh, this is making me feel terrible. You keep scrolling through negative news, or negative posts. You can also access pornography through a lot of social media platforms. For example, if you were to go on Snapchat, you could look up Pornhub, or if you're on Instagram, you can look up Pornhub. You can immediately go there and find some porn stars that you can follow, which then leads you to other links that all occur within Snapchat. You may be blocking explicit links on your child's phone, but if they're doing it through the app, You know, through one certain follower, you can actually get to a lot of this stuff, which could obviously be really bad. It can lead to a secondary problematic usage or addiction to pornography and shopping. And for a lot of our kids, you know, they feel very entitled to everything they see on social media. They want to be able to have all of the latest trends, all the newest things so they can post about it and sort of gain this sort of influencer type of lifestyle. And so they can run themselves into debt. The ease of shopping um, online, Instagram has its own sort of shopping cart. If you see a, something in a post, you can click on it. If it's available to buy, you can buy it right then and there. So a lot of uh, secondary dangers within these social media apps. And again, why is this so different? Why is social media such a problem? Well, again, it's this artificial intelligence and computer learning It's the 24-7 influence that if we were to allow our kids 24-7 access, then it's influencing them 24-7, not to mention social control. You know, whether or not you believe it or not, I mean, there's definitely talk about whether or not Facebook is changing, you know, the face of our democracy. Did Twitter or did Facebook, you know, shape the presidential election? Is it going to shape the next presidential election? Are they creating echo chambers so that only certain people are hearing certain type of thoughts and creating such divisiveness? Well, these are all questions, right, that even our government is asking of these big tech companies. And ultimately, what we also know is why it's different is because it's very personalized. My feed is very different than anyone else's feed because it's only a combination of my likes. And that personalization makes it very tempting and it feels so good to us. But let's look at what these social media platforms can actually do to us when we really consider it. Well, Snapchat can turn conversations into compulsion, like their streaks, constantly keeping them up every day. Instagram is taking picture-perfect self-promotion for fame. Everything is perfect on Instagram, right? Facebook is segregating us into these echo chambers. Twitter, breeding divisiveness, YouTube, autoplay and algorithm ingenuity. I mean, it's so genius how they know what to play next. And TikTok, the 15 seconds of internet fame that every child really desires. And it can occur so easily and really over something that didn't take a lot of work or a lot of talent to achieve. And so it can really change the shape of who our children are, their character, their values, their morals. Because again, this is global connections and the feed is constantly learning. So it's not like a feed of just their friends and it's going to be influenced by only the local community. Once they start adding people outside of the community or outside your state, outside your country, then all sorts of different things the algorithm is going to pick up and start showing. And while it might not necessarily be bad, it can definitely potentially change your child or addict your child, right? Create different habit-forming behaviors. So let's get down to the bottom line. What are some solutions if we feel our child is addicted to social media or has some problematic usage? As we mentioned in the last episode, you've got to be able to track, sort of monitor how your children are using their smartphones. And of course, we're going to apply this to ourselves as well. If you feel like you may have a um, a social media problematic usage or even addiction, it's important to apply this to yourself first. But once we know how much hours our kids are spending on say Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok, and then we can decipher, is this a problem or is this just a, a phase? They just got really into TikTok. I mean, it's probably gonna fade away. They're still getting straight A's. They're still working 40 hours a week, whatever that may be. You may not feel like it's a problem, but if it is, what can you do? Number one, router level filtering. So that is at your actual router inside your home, you're going to control what in your home is going to be accessed. You can use that. You can use clean browsing, um, which is a VPN sort of filter that's going to restrict certain things to come in through your home Wi-Fi. Or you can use the device circle, which connects your home router and then allows you to set filters and restrictions to all internet connected devices in your home. Number two, house rules for internet connected devices. You have to have some house rules that goes for um, everyone um, all around, and then, of course, certain age levels. And that may be only computers are only used you know, at a kitchen table or in a public space of the home, and all phones have to be put up by 10 o'clock at night or given to mom and dad to keep in their room. Whatever your house rules are, you definitely need to have house rules. These are just the easiest, healthiest boundaries that you can set for your child to at least give them some downtime or if they're going to, like I said, use a home computer, or if they're, for example, gonna be using, maybe they're really big into making TikTok videos, and you're just like, you know what? Hey, all TikTok videos need to be made in public. We're not gonna make any in the bathroom. We're not gonna make any in the bedroom. We're not gonna be wearing our bikini or something in the bedroom while doing this. You know, it's gonna be out in public spaces. You set those house rules based on what you know your family needs. Number three, you can set up actual accounts On your home computers, whether it be a PC or a Mac, and set up age appropriate limits. And the reason why I say this is a solution, because for example, if you have a child who's 13 or 14 and you just don't feel like they are ready for social media, and you've had that conversation, but they really feel like they have to have social media, I've heard it in my own home, I hear it from others, because social media platforms can be accessed straight through the internet and the website. Instagram even allows DMs now to occur straight through the website on a computer, so you need to be able to block them from your home computers as well. Otherwise, they're saying they're doing their distant learning, but really, they've hopped over to Instagram, and they're checking out all the celebrity posts, and they're DMing their friends. Maybe you're okay with that, but if you're not, if you're truly trying to keep them off of the social media platforms, then you need to set Personal accounts on each computer that the child is going to sign in and use. And in that, you can actually block certain websites and you can block those social media websites. We have more information at braveparenting.net exactly how to set those accounts up on the home computers. You can check that out. Number four, Wi Fi and cellular limits. A lot of people don't think about this as a really easy solution. Of course, if you only have so much data, Well, then when they run out of data, they're going to want to use Wi-Fi. Well, if you have, for example, a iPhone, you can actually limit what apps are going to use Wi-Fi. If you don't want your child to be using Snapchat over data, you can turn that off that way. Or if you only want certain things to be over Wi-Fi, you can, again, set those settings and use that to your advantage in order, again, to just create healthy boundaries. So that way they isn't this 24-7 influence that they have. Or this compulsion of 24 7 being able to get on. And five, set time limits, whether it be through iOS screen time, whether using a third party app such as Bark or Mobisip, then use something in order to either set a downtime at night or to set a total limit of we're only going to allow two hours of social media per day or only three hours. I will tell you the average right now is about seven to 10 hours that some some teenagers during this pandemic are using on social media in order to connect with their friends. Again, this may be just for this time, but as we move into going back to school, um, businesses opening back up, life getting somewhat back to normal, it's really time for us as parents to rein in those boundaries and reestablish a good healthy standard for how our kids are engaging on social media as well as face-to-face, balancing that education with that physical activity their relationships, and the screen entertainment and social media. And then, of course, number six is Bark social media monitoring. Bark can allow you to set screen times, but it can also monitor your children's social media accounts. You would use it to, you sign in into Bark, you sign in with your child's, say, Instagram login and password, and then they monitor it in the sense that if nothing dangerous or potentially harmful or over-sexualized is occurring, you know nothing. But if they get an alert, that could be maybe someone DM them and told them you're better off dead or send me nudes. Then you get a notification saying, hey, this just occurred and here's some talking points on how to bring this up with your child and deal with it. It's a great resource to have. It really is the only resource of its kind for social media monitoring. So if your child already has social media and you're like, I can't take it back, but I really think it's a problem. It's causing lots of drama. Bark can be a great solution. Of course, your child kind of has to agree to it because they have to give up their login and password. So it may take a little bit of a conversation, but always approach it um, in a, I'm concerned. What can we decide on together to sort of ease back on how much social media you're using? I want it to be balanced. We think that you should also have physical activity and face-to-face relationship. Don't approach it and We're taking it by our social media because then you're going to have that physiological withdrawal, right? The severe trauma from cutting it off completely. Work with your child in order to set up new, but yet stricter boundaries so that they can really make that piece of the puzzle that is social media the same as the physical activity, the face to face relationships, and their education and work. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you have any questions, or you have a story that you would like to share about this topic, please email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look at how you can build strong character using this technology that children love, pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast platform is. We appreciate it if you could share that with your friends so other people can also be educated and equipped. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.